Hello and welcome to the Complete Health Podcast, the podcast that brings you a complete view of healthcare, exercises, medicine, and much more. We're your hosts, Helen O'Leary and Reese Noble, both physiotherapists at Complete Physio and Pilates in London. This is episode 19, the second of our three-part chat with foot specialist physiotherapist Jane Baker. This episode focuses on how the foot functions during gait, including a case study on Reese's foot. During this, she touches on how the 28 bones and 33 joints of the foot are all interconnected. Following on from this, Jane speaks about the forces the foot has to deal with during running and links that into why hopping is a key part of a return to running rehab program and the walk-run program that Jane uses to return people to running. A clinical gem that I will most certainly be adding to my kit bag and have used since we recorded this podcast. And to finish off this wonderful episode, Jane sets out some handy tips for physios and other healthcare professionals out there on how to perform a basic assessment of the foot and ankle. Good evening and welcome to the Complete Health Podcast. As you can probably hear, I am not Reese, but that's okay. He is sitting on the other side of the table tonight because we're going to use his feet as a bit of a case study. <laughs> so we are joined again by the wonderful, most beautiful Jane Baker. Thanks for coming again. Um, and we, in the first podcast, talked about everything that is foot physio and what it involves. So what we're going to do now is we're going to take a look at the foot in gait and what's normal. And then we're going to look at Reese. Yes, that's exactly what we're going to do. <laughs> so, Jay, what happens to the foot in gait? What's normal? Okay, so I think the amazing thing about the foot that is most important is it has a variety of functions. Mm-hmm. So the foot um, has to be a flexible structure and the foot has to be a rigid lever mm-hmm. to be able to propel us forward through through gait. Mm-hmm. So when the hip, when the foot hits the ground, it's controlled by muscles eccentrically, lowering the foot to the ground. This is very simplified, by the mm-hmm. way. Um, <laughs> and um, as it hits the ground, it becomes a flexible structure to get the big toe onto the ground, but also to absorb, uh, to shock absorb. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that capacity for the foot to unlock and absorb shock, that can lead to um, two problems. So muscle problems and joint problems. Mm-hmm. Once the foot has pronated to land on the, on the ground, as the, as the body moves over the foot, it has to supinate, become a rigid lever to be able to propel you forwards. So that's so. So for all of those who aren't physios, pronation, supination. So we've got as the foot comes through, it almost the arch kind of flattens, if you like, and exactly. it sort of goes inwards. And then for it to go over the foot to then push off, it then turns outwards. Exactly. So it's a it's a subtle movement, but lots of people think, and particularly people who go into running shops to buy trainers think that pronation is a bad thing. Every foot has to pronate. It has to pronate to be able to get the big toe on the ground, to be able to to re-supinate or go back and push forward. Mm -hmm. So we need pronation. That's controlled by by muscles in the foot, by the intrinsic and the extrinsic muscles. 
if the particularly my favorite muscle typically is posterior <laughs> if those muscles are weak so for example if the foot pronates but doesn't resupinate or can't then we're going to have a strain on that inside part of the foot yeah. so when i'm looking at somebody walking i'm um it's great to video them actually because then you can slow motion um, the video and you can see exactly what's going on but you can see that movement of the foot from the heel through to the big toe and the push off so is that the reason jane that everyone wears out the back corner of their shoes theoretically that's where they they should but obviously you you are going to get people who are in over pronation and they're going to wear down the inside of the heels Mm -hmm. okay. um, so looking at footwear or um, heel wear, yeah. asymmetry between two feet or excessive wear yeah. gives you some, some degree of information. Cool. So just to be clear, <laughs> land rigid? Yeah, you land on the, just on the, with a slightly um, inverted heel. Yep. We soften as we pronate. Yep to absorb shock. Exactly. And then as we go into the push-off phase, we re-supinate yep. to lock up the foot. Exactly. To become a rigid lever to, propel to push forward. What a structure. It's pretty amazing. So, yeah. And you think about when you... And how quickly that happens. How quickly that happens, and when you run the amount of load that's going through each foot, they say six to eight times your body weight. When you run. When you run. When you walk. One and a half. So, a lot? Yeah, a lot. Yeah. A lot of weight through your feet. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. deal with a lot. And if you're doing yeah, 10,000 steps a day, <laughs> even, yeah. if, even if it's just walking, that's... Absolutely. Yeah. And, and what we always say with injury is you're looking at load and volume. And if you suddenly decide to, you're a normal 5K runner or you walk 10,000 steps a day and you yeah. suddenly do 20,000 or you decide to do a 10K run, yeah. you're Life doubling. Pressure gets annoyed. Yeah. Lots of things get annoying. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, so um, so I will look at people in weight bearing and I'll also look at them in non-weight bearing to test the function of their feet. Yep. So um, we could have a look at do you want to have a look at your feet? Yeah, so my uh, feet are a perfect example of, of abnormal. Which <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is why I'm sitting here. <laughs> And that, what James just explained about that ability to pronate to get that first toe, first ray is what we call the first, uh, the inside of your foot, to get that on the floor to then become that rigid lever to be able to push off through. Now my right foot doesn't do that very well, so you'll be able to see on the um, close-up camera there, my right foot here. So James, you can take it away. Okay, do you want to pull your trousers up? So when, when I looked at, at Reese last week, he has done a little bit of work on his foot, which is great. When I looked at Reese, when he was in standing, he had quite a significant, um, almost bananaing, or you might need to turn into, yeah. So his heel was very much in this position. So he was very tight through the medial side of his foot and he was loaded through the outside and what he wasn't doing in gait was being able to roll through the foot to get the big toe on the ground and what was happening was his tibialis anterior 
was overworking, particularly when he was running, and he actually came in with a tibialis anterior um, pain. So when I assessed his foot, what I looked at was whether or not he could actually, you see, you're much better than, yeah. you, than you were, whether he could roll from supination into pronation, um, and he couldn't. So what we discovered is he'd had a injury of his deltoid ligament on the medial ankle here six years ago. Six years ago. Six years ago that he probably hadn't fully rehabbed. Um, and so when I assess the movement of his calcaneus, if you sit down, when I looked at his left foot, I could evert and invert his calcaneus. So there was flexibility through the medial column. And when I looked at his right foot, still really steady. <laughs> You're working a lot harder than you. <laughs> So that, I'm actually getting movement. I could barely get any movement in that calcaneal eversion. Yeah. Is that sore? Or are you just put on a funny face because it feels weird? I wouldn't say sore. It's, it's uncomfortable. Okay. Yeah. And so we did lots of release, or Reese was supposed to do lots of release, through <laughs> this medial, medial ankle um, to, get that, to get that mobility. And then in standing, he actually worked into rolling into that pronated position. And I have a, a funky walk that I get patients to do to try and get that mobility. Yeah. Have you been doing that every time you walk to the waiting room to get someone to you? <laughs> <laughs> I might leave if they saw the, how hideous my uh, organ was. And then we also looked at his midfoot um, and I assessed the mobility through the midfoot and discovered that his midfoot was very stiff. So if I look at this one, so if I go to the end of the first ray, find the medial cuneiform and drop it, I can get that rotation. It's quite a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. And then I come back to this one. It's quite hard to do it really on a table. So I'm having to work a lot harder to get that correct movement. So with the 28, 28 bones in the foot, but 30 if you include the sesamoids, which are under the big toe, each one of those bones should move. Mm. So when I assess the foot, I'm looking to see whether there's mobility between, even the cuneiforms, is there mobility between those bones? And if there isn't, you can mobilise it to correct the function of the foot. So we know that Reese is training for an Ironman. Half Ironman. Half Ironman. I think I just, you were doing an Ironman. Yeah. yeah. What happened? Every time I go for that. So obviously if he's then running, how far are you running Reese? at the moment? Oh, uh, anywhere between 25 and 30 k's a week probably at the moment. Okay. Well, up until I. Up until this happened. Hurt my foot, yep. Okay, so what, was your, what would have been your longest run? 15. Okay, so then 15K. Yeah. Okay, so here's an interesting um, little analysis that I give patients when they are recovering from an injury and say to me, can I go running? <laughs> so if you put somebody on a treadmill and you look at an average stride frequency on a treadmill, it's 
about 180 hits yeah. in a minute. So Perfect. between 100 total. total, so 150 to 180, but let's yeah. say 180. That's 90 hits per foot per mm -hmm. minute. Yes. Okay. So in a 10 minute run, that's 900 hits per foot. With six to eight times your body weight. With six through. to eight times your body weight. So you get patients who who've rehabbed and they're walking after they used to run, they've had an injury, whether it's plantar fasciitis or um, I don't know, Achilles issues or tip post issues, whatever. Um, and they feel fine, they go, oh, I just want to go for a 15 minute run. And I go, well, you haven't even done any jumping or hopping or impact work yet. Yeah. And in 10 minutes, that's nine. 10, 10 times 90 times yeah. 80 kilos. Exactly. Times by yeah. seven, let's say. So it's a big number. It's, it's a really big it's number. It's a big number. And it's and even to me, every time I say it, someone, I, I just had a patient who had a, a midfoot injury um, that we're rehabbing, and he, and he um, got in touch with me during lockdown and said, oh, I can't go to the gym, I want to run. So... I said to him, he'd been doing the jump hop drills. So I said to him, okay, you can do this really structured um, walk run program. And I have a really structured um, program that I use. And he decided to completely ignore that <laughs> and start running 5K right. um, and did three or four and, and re-injured. And I've just, we, so we started again, and he's now just, I just saw him today. And now he's, he's listening. <laughs> he's now, he completed 900, 900 impacts in clinic today, completely pain-free. Wow. So now I'm ready for him to, to do the, the walk-run program and build up, and build up impact and tolerance and endurance. And so before you get someone running after an injury, you'll look at how many contacts they can do in a session with you pain-free to then get them running again. Yes. Yeah. So I want to know that they can tolerate. So it's not just 10 hops. No. So I think, so it, the, one of the standards was um, they can do 30 single heel raises. This is, you look up, if you look online, what do I need to do? You know, rehab from an injury, what's the criteria? And in some, some places, it's a single leg balance for a minute, 30 single heel raises, and walk for 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then you can go for a run, but no criteria of wow. how long that should be. And that's, that's a minuscule mm. prep yeah. for, return, for return to run. I mean, especially if you think 30 minutes only one and a half times your body weight every yep. time you're taking a step. It just pales in significance yeah. compared to the force that you're going to put through in a five minute run. Yeah. Like I mean, what do you even... what do you guys do with return to running? Do rehab schedules? Yeah. Do you? So yeah, I mine's yes. um ten single leg bounds, so be able to hop three times, repeat that ten times and control the landing. Forward. Forward. So triple hop. Triple okay. hop on one leg. Right. And be able to stick that last landing. Yeah. Be able to do that on multiple occasions. Mm -hmm. And that's normally where I... Uh, yeah. On top of a couple of other things. But that's where I generally tick people off to get to do like 30 seconds running, a yeah. minute walking, yeah. 30 second running, a minute walking, which 
regular runners absolutely hate. <laughs> but now I'm armed with my statistics that you've just given us. <laughs> We're all, everyone's in trouble. Yeah. Who comes to see you? Conversation's going to become a hell of a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my return to running program, and I appreciate there are, there's probably an infinite number of return to running programs, but the one I use was, was actually, I, we used to work for the military, was one of my jobs, and it was one that we used there. And it's slow, but for the, um, for the ones that you want a really structured program with, it's great. So it's um, basically a 30-minute program divided into six lots of five minutes. Mm -hmm. Each five-minute is divided into a walk and a jog section. So, you, for example, your first one would be four-and-a-half-minute walk, 30-second yep. second jog for mm -hmm. six repetitions to get you to your 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. So that's still two and a half minutes of jogging, mm -hmm. which is still like almost 2,000 hits. Yeah. Oh no, sorry, no, it's 90, 180, 250, still 250. Yeah. So it's still significant. Yeah. Um, and then you basically do repeat that session twice and then you change in increments of one minute. So you do yeah. four, one, four, one, four, one, three and a half, one and a half. So each pain for each one you pull up pain free, you then so you do two of those, yeah. progress to the next. If you have pain, you go back to your to previous pain free level. Fantastic. Previous pain free level. But it's it's a really nice structured way because if somebody you say to somebody, right, you can go for a run and they do twenty minutes and they're in pain, yeah. you don't know whether they were in so pain at two minutes or yeah. 18 yeah. minutes. Yeah. So if you want super control over that return to run process, it's a great way of doing it. I'm putting that well and truly in my toolbox, Jane. Thank you. Yeah, yeah but, but like I said, there are infinite return to run programs with percentages and... Um, so what would you say that they should all include. So for clinicians listening who haven't got as much experience in the foot and ankle, what would you say every return to running program should include? So they need strength, well, if you want to go everything, they need mobility, mm -hmm. they need strength, they need impact training, mm -hmm. they need balance training, mm -hmm. um, and then cardiovascular, you can't just send somebody out for a 20 minute, 20 minute run. <laughs> So going along that line, Jane, for the non—I won't say novice therapist, but for therapists out there that don't look at feet all day every day, yeah, what are sort of the key points that you're wanting, or the people should be looking for, to maybe treat them that the, the foot might be an issue? Like, is there a specific set of mobility things or areas that you really should be focusing in on? What, what's a basic one that... So I think that's a good question. Um, and it's really interesting because when you, when you are looking at something in such detail all day, every day, it's actually, that's quite interesting <laughs> to step back and go, oh, what would the basics be? Because yeah. you just hone in on, on everything. So, so for those of you that hasn't listened to the, to the first podcast with Jane, she went through super in depth about the things that she looked at, and the list must have been. And we literally ended with a list that made me and Reese go, 
Yeah. <laughs> so it's the, I mean, there's probably 30, 40 items yeah. on the list that potentially that you look at. And I'm sure there was, there's others on those mm-hmm. lists. Now, obviously, for us that don't have all of those in our armory, yeah. where would you suggest people start? What, were the, what, are the, what are the big ticket items that they should be looking for in the feet? So, ankle mobility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is ankle joint mobility as well as soft tissue flexibility, soleus and gastroc. Okay. So we all know the need to wall test. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a good indication of if there's a there's an asymmetry or if there's significant stiffness. Yeah. Um, now is significant stiffness a problem? I've got patients who are probably three centimeter knee to wall consistently but they're pain-free, they have no issues running, it's not a problem. But you also might get someone who's, their normal is 14, and they've come out of a, um, an ankle sprain and the other ankle's three, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. So you want to look at, at symmetry, obviously, as well. Um, so ankle mobility, calf strength, and can they single heel raise? Um, if there's a tibialis posterior problem, one of the key tests is can they single heel raise? Um, obviously, it's a calf test as well. Yeah. Um, so where do you draw the line between the two? How do you differentiate between it being a calf and a tib post issue? So if it's a tib post issue, um, there will be no calcaneal inversion. So basically, um, as they calf raise, they the calcaneus doesn't turn in. Right. Um, which is the function the of the tib post. At the top um, and you're, if it's a tib post, it, basically if it's a tib post issue, they can't even get off the ground. Yeah. Um, through pain or just through motor. Outcome? So either pain or dis- complete dysfunction. Yeah. Um, balance. So single leg balance. Um, single leg balance, eyes closed. So again, I always say to patients, when you go out for a run, you're when you test someone's single leg, eyes open, they're using visual feedback yep. to maintain that balance. You're in a structured environment, you're in a safe environment in clinic. Mm-hmm. So it's the easiest place to test single leg balance. When you're out running, you're trying not to get run over, not to run into people, <laughs> avoid that person with their head down on their phone. Couple of distractions. <laughs> yeah. So um, you are relying on feedback from joints, muscles, ligaments. Yeah. So can you balance in a chaotic environment? Can you balance with your eyes shut? What's that proprioceptive feedback? Yeah. Um, so that's a, another key one. And then coming down into the foot, does the big toe move? Um, and are there, do they have toe function? So can they actually move their toes? Um, can they, I'm not a huge fan of picking up marbles and picking up tissues because it's a, extrinsic muscle function as opposed to intrinsic okay. but it's a good place to start um, can you can you curl your toes and move your toes can you wiggle your toes um, and those probably that's probably the um, those are probably the basics yeah I would say okay and obviously screen the rest of the body <laughs> midfoot stiffness how would you go about assessing it um, so couple of different things to, to look at. You can look at plantar fascia flexibility, because that will influence midfoot stiffness, yeah. or you can actually palpate and mobilize the midfoot. So 
It's a very gross, simple way of, of doing it is to, um, is to twist the foot yeah. and see whether the, the foot moves. But it's, that is quite a gross way of, of moving the foot. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you're actually getting into the individual joints and mobilizing the individual joints. Um, because it's very easy when you mobilize a midfoot just to wiggle the metatarsals around. Yeah. Um, and you think that you're mobilizing it and you're actually not. But it's really, I think, I think what I would um, really encourage with everybody, whether they're a practitioner or somebody in the public just listening, is touch your feet. Get to know your feet. Give your feet some attention because they're so neglected um and like i was saying in the in the first podcast there's over two hundred thousand sensory nerve endings in the feet and they respond to touch so when you have a bath or a shower put lotion on your feet i caveat that with please don't put it on the bottom of your feet (laughs) (laughs) and slide So, so, so the, the hilarious thing is every patient that I see who I treat their feet has their feet washed before they get off the table because I'm completely, um, um, I, I just have this fear that <laughs> they're going to have slimy, oily feet and they're going to get off the table and, and, and go flying. <laughs> so always, I, I wash the I, I clean their feet with water and dry them. So in my head, slipping. I just had an image of you just like rubbing my feet and then washing them. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking how lovely that would be. Watch out. So I think that the take-home, the take-home messages there out of that are your feet deal with a lot of force and it's yes. important to look after them. Yes. Graduated return once you've been off for any injury yeah. Not just foot injuries, but graduated return to high velocity stuff like running is really, really important. Yeah. Because you're playing with fire if you're just going back to things way too quickly. Yeah. And then for the clinicians out there, ankle mobility is super important. Mm-hmm. First toe mobility. Yeah. Midfoot mobility. Yeah. I mean, it's, you can't. I can't say that nothing's important. Yeah. That's yeah. the. That's the problem. Because it's very like, one to the other. Compare them onto the other, yeah. and then your strength. Looking at the strength and balance, and strength and balance. Yeah, and so, balance is the components of um, proprioception, input from joints, ligaments, yeah. also visual, vestibular. I mean, we could get into, we could do a whole podcast. We should do a whole podcast on balance. That would be. Oh, good. totally, kid. Yeah. We'll put that on the list. <laughs> we'll put that on the list. <laughs> Excellent. So, if you can. For the clinicians out there that are listening, if you can get some knowledge around those areas, you're a lot of the way there. Yeah. And of course, if you don't, if you're not getting anywhere, refer to Jane. She's fantastic. Having referred a number to her, she's very good at giving feedback and referring back. Really happy. Yeah, love um, just teaching uh, people about their feet, and uh, yeah, and will refer the patient back because. So, how do people get in touch with you? So, um, either through us, you guys, yep. <laughs> or the Gate and Posture Centre, um, which is in tw- number 20 Harley Street. Okay. Do you have an email address? I do. People can... Jane at janebakerphysio.com. That's an easy one. That's that is an easy one to remember. Yeah. Are you on social media? I am. Um, I'm on Instagram, mainly. What's the handle? 
That's a good question. <laughs> JB Foot Physio, isn't it? I think it is. JB Foot Physio. If you put JB Not that I Instagram stalk Stalk any time. Jay has some fantastic <laughs> stuff on there around <laughs> some running drills yep. and some self love for your feet as well. Self love so for the feet. I yeah. think um, I think that's watching. the the key thing. And, and again, like we were saying in the first podcast, um, particularly people who have foot pain, they seem to hate their feet. Yeah. Um, Interesting. And just just starting learning. I always say this to people: you need to learn to love your foot again, mm. um, because they just they hate them. It's a shame. Really important part. Yeah, absolutely. I love a foot massage. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I do, really. <laughs> and on that note, Jane is going to join us again in our next podcast where we're going to go a little bit more condition specific and talk about wonderful things like bunions. Bunions are definitely nice. going to run. That concludes episode 19 of the Complete Health Podcast. Another informative one with loads of handy information, particularly for the therapists out there. In our next episode, the last of this three-part chat with Jane, we speak all things bunions, including the causes of bunions, what can be done to prevent them, and when needed, what surgical interventions can be put in place for bunion correction. If you haven't already, please pop back and have a look at episode 18 with Jane to get the full ins and outs of what a foot specialist physio is and the extremely wide range of conditions they treat. For For another another week, stay stay healthy and goodbye. goodbye.